0: Everybody can get your Bibles out today. We're going to get into the Word of God for a few moments. And this week at Maker Fun Factory, we we want all these boys and girls to know that they were created by God and that they were built for a purpose. Now, tonight, Pastor Chris is going to kick it off with a message about how God has created our physical bodies. All the intricacies, all the beauty, all the detail of how God created made us and that's going to be awesome this morning we want to talk about a different body this morning i want to talk about a body that god has made with all the same amount of detail and intricacy and diversity and beauty and the body that we're talking about is the church the body of christ that god has made us to reflect his image so one more time i want to give you the big word for today, that day read to you earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Come on, say it with me. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you are a part of it. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven. Now we're, we're going to get to that verse again a little bit later. But here's the main point today. I want everybody to, to grab this and, and go home with this thought in your heart. God made you for a family. God made you for a family, whether you come from, you know, 19 kids and counting or if you're single, God made you for a family. In fact, there's only one person that was ever made that wasn't made in a family. His name was Adam. And if you go back to Genesis, God had made Adam, not in a family, just all by himself. And then God thought about it, and here's what God said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Does anybody know who the helper was? Eve, that's right. And everybody that's been created since Eve has been made for a family. It's awesome that God gave us families. Now, whether your family is a perfect family or not, having a family helps us to understand more about what God is like. Think about it. The the Bible describes God as a good father. We we sang that earlier. He's a good father. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 13, it says, as a mother comforts her child, God said, I will comfort you. You, We understand something about God just by watching the way a mother comforts her child. Proverbs says that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So when you see the way that brothers look out for each other, defend each other on the playground, stick up for one another, you see what God's relationship with us is like. In fact, the Bible goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5, that the relationship of a husband who serves and honors and loves his wife is a picture of Jesus' love for the church. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of weddings and one of my favorite moments in every wedding is is the moment when I, I stand on the platform here right next to the groom and there's this anticipation because everybody knows what happens next. Those back doors of the church are about to open up and the bride is going to step through the back doors in that beautiful white dress. And, and I love that I get to stand so close to the groom because that's the moment where there's the most tension and nervousness and excitement. And, and, and he's... He can't wait to see her come through the back doors. Did you know the Bible tells us in Revelation that that moment is a picture of Jesus right now? That right now Jesus is the groom. He's excited. He can't wait. He's ready for the church, his bride, to step through the door pure and spotless so that he can have an eternal relationship with us. See, when you have a family, it's a blessing. But it's also a means that God uses to show you what it's like to be in the family of God. When you were born, you were born into a family. But the Bible talks about another birth. The Bible says if you accept Jesus into your heart, if you make him the Lord of your life, if you ask him to forgive you of your sins, the Bible calls that a second birth. So the first time you're born, you're born into a natural family. It's a natural birth. But the second time you're born, when you accept Jesus, the Bible calls that the second birth. Now, I've heard this expression all my life. You probably have too. A lot of people would say this in in our world. We're all God's children. How many of you have heard people say that before? We're all God's children. And that sounds nice. But the problem is, according to the Bible, it's just not true. It's just not true. Now, sure, God made everybody. God's the creator. But not everybody can call God Father. In fact, the Bible is really, really clear about who the children of God are and who the children of God are not. Let me give you a verse. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's the ones that are the children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. Well, how do I get led by the Spirit of God? I receive the Spirit of Christ into my life. That happens at salvation. That happens at the second birth. In fact, Jesus was talking one time to a group of people who were lying about Him. They were frustrated with Him. In fact, some of them even wanted to kill Jesus. But... Outwardly, they were religious people. They acted like they knew God. In fact, they said, we are the children of God. But because of the way they acted, because they didn't believe in Jesus, because they lied about Him, because they wanted to kill Him, you know what Jesus said about those people? It's in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. Jesus told them, you're not a child of God. You're you're a child of the devil. Now, he wasn't just being mean. He was saying that because of what they had said about who he was. See, not everybody can say, I'm a child of God. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter 1... In verse 12, yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, that's Jesus, He gave the right to become the children of God. I want to tell you today, being called child of God is a privilege. It's a privilege that is for those who have not just been born once in the natural, but for those who have been born again. That means you have a new life. Think about, think about this. We say born again. When you accept Christ into your life, Corinthians tells us that the old becomes new. When you accept Christ on the inside, you're a new person. But how many of you noticed when you came to Christ that you were still the same person on the outside? It's not like you, know, you come to the altar and you give your life to Jesus and you used to have straight hair and now you have curly hair. Or, you know, you used to have crooked teeth and all of a sudden you gave your life to Jesus. Now you have straight teeth. Or you used to be uh, overweight. Now you're skinny. I mean, that would be cool. Wouldn't it if you just like, you know, you, you look 10 years younger if you gave your life to Jesus. That would be awesome. It doesn't happen that way. When you give your life to Christ on the inside, you're a brand new person. But on the outside, God accepts you just the way that you are. The person that came to Jesus is the same person. You look the same. Your personality's the same. The the things that, that you like to do, your hobbies, your interests, all those things are the same. And there's a word in the Bible for that. The fact that God accepts us just the way that we are. And the Bible word is adoption. Adoption. A little different than new birth. We're adopted. And the idea of adoption, church, is one of the greatest ideas in the universe. And the reason I say the greatest idea in the universe and not just the world is because the idea of adoption was God's idea even before he created the world. That's what we learn in Ephesians. The Bible says this. It tells us that for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love, he predestined us for adoption. To sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his good pleasure and will. That's an awesome verse. That tells me that before God made all this, before God made the, the mountains and the valleys and the flowers and the trees, before he had all this made, he had us in mind. And he adopted us. He chose us to be a part of his family. Now, if he wanted all of us to be the same... Then when we got saved, we'd not only have a new life on the inside, we'd have a new identity on the outside. If God wanted all of us to be the same, when you got saved, you gave your life to Jesus, all of a sudden you'd look different, you'd talk different, you'd walk different. We'd all, be, But God doesn't want us all the same. He doesn't just give us new life, He adopts us. And He says, the way that you are is the person I created. You're the one that I want. And the way that you talk and the way that you walk and the gifts that you have, the talents you have, those are all things that I designed from the very beginning. And so I'm not just going to make you brand new. I'm going to adopt you and make you a part of my family. That's because God has a specific plan, a specific way that he wants you to fit perfectly in to the family of God. Now, ask Miss Steph if she would come this morning. She's going to illustrate this a little bit for us to help us understand how we fit together Is it
1: on? helps if you turn it on now we can't have a kid service without bringing some toys right guys we can't have a little fun in things that we do any of you guys know what these are can you see them the original fidget spinner. As I realized the whole service, I am spinning it. It doesn't go on its own. But anyway, these are gears. We have our toys. How many of you have gears at home? Have you guys ever played these? Now, each of these is a separate part. This is you. Maybe this one's you, whichever color you want to be today. You have a purpose. This one is designed specifically to have a point, something to do, like this is the shape. is just how it's supposed to be. The color's right. It was made for a purpose. But there's so much bigger than just this one part. So while you can use this, I can use one piece and do whatever with it. You can chuck it, you could probably throw it at people, you can hide it, you could probably put it in the pool. You have all these different ways that you can use it. But the real purpose is bigger than this one piece. It's bigger than these two pieces. So Pastor Chris, can you come on up and help me? Now, one piece is pretty neat. It can. I can't think of the part. It entertained me for a little bit. It helped me concentrate for the last 10 minutes, but it's bigger than that. So while it served a minor part, part, a little bit of the purpose, something happens when you combine them all together. As we just learned in our verse that you're part of a body, something bigger, something greater, that when you serve your part, something more amazing happens when we all come together. So you see... Can I stand on this side of you? When we all come together... We are a moving, working piece of art, something to play with, something with a bigger purpose, and that it all comes together. Now, what happens if one part is missing from here? What happens if, say, this person decided, "Uh, I'm not going to serve my purpose today. I'm not going to live up. I'm going to make that decision that probably doesn't make God as happy make a choice that kind of leads you away from the rest of the body. What happens when the rest of the body keeps working? Do we see what happens? I'll take this piece out too because I think I took the wrong one. Something's dead. This one's not serving this full purpose. It doesn't work. And so if we take out another piece, it's not as exciting, is it? It's not as much fun to play with. You don't want to invite your friends over. Hey, guys, I found something really cool. I made this thing. Check it out. (laughs) No, it's very anticlimactic. And the same is with you guys. Each of you has a purpose. There's something even bigger that God created you for. Yes, you can do it on your own. But it's not as great when we all come together and use our giftings, use our talents, use our personalities. We need one more. It's so much bigger. I want to read a verse for you. Is this one mine? We already read part of it in 1 Corinthians, but I'm going to read it out of the message just because I like how he paraphrases it. He said, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Each part... Dependent on another part. Now you are Christ's body. And that is who you are. You must never forget it. Only as you accept your part. As you accept your part. Of that body does your part. Mean anything. So apart from Christ. Apart from the body of Christ. You have a purpose. But you were made for so much more than that.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, miss Steph. How many of you guys uh, learned this in, in church when you were a little kid? Here's the church. There's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. How many, did you guys learn this before? All right, we're going to try it right now because some of you are looking at me. All right, put your hands together like this. All right, now I can see some of you are doing it wrong, but you're going to figure it out in a second. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. See all the people. See, for that to work, you've got to put your fingers facing down. It doesn't work like this. you got to face them down. There was, there was a, a Sunday school teacher who was teaching her preschool class this little illustration of the body of Christ. And so she told all the kids in the class, okay, kids, put your hands together. And she's all excited about this lesson. And she does the whole, here's the church, there's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. But in, in all of her excitement, she failed to acknowledge that one of the little boys in the class uh, was there that morning who was born with a deformity. His fingers hadn't developed. And so while she's teaching this, it was obvious that he was not going to be able to make the church. She didn't notice, but a little girl in the class that was sitting next to him did. And at that moment when the teacher said, Okay, boys and girls, you try. The little girl looked over at him and she offered her hand to his good hand and said, Here, we can make the church together. And that's really what it means to be a part of the family of God, that you have gifts where other people have weaknesses. But when we come together, the church is everything that God intended it to be. There's a story in the Old Testament that I want to tell. I love this story, one of my favorite stories, and it's found in the book of 2 Samuel. It starts in chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 9 in just a minute, but let me just tell you a little bit of this story that starts in the book of 2 Samuel. It's a story that helps us to understand what it actually means to be adopted into God's family and to have a place that you can serve. Now, I don't want to bring up a sore spot for anybody, but this is a, a very current illustration. We all know how things can get tense in an election year, right? Uh, even you kids uh, in school, you learned last year it was an election. Was it going to be Trump? Was it going to be Hillary? And, and sometimes people even fight about it. They fight about, uh, for over a year, they fight about who's going to have a job for four years. Now imagine how tense that would be if it was not to decide who was going to be elected to serve for four years. Imagine how tense that would be if you were deciding which family was going to be in, in control forever. That's the way it was in, in the Old Testament. That when a king was chosen to lead the nation, that person was in charge indefinitely. And if the king died, his son, the prince would be in charge. And then if he died, his son, the prince, would be in charge. And that was the situation that was happening in the Bible. And so, it would be awesome to be royalty. It would be awesome to be one of the king's kids. But it could also be very dangerous. Because if you didn't like the person who was the king, and you didn't like their family being in charge, there was only a couple of ways to change the situation. Either some other nation or group could come in and attack and take over... Or somebody might plot to kill the king and his family. So it was dangerous to be royalty. And at this time in the Bible, King Saul was the king of Israel. His son Jonathan was the prince. And what happened is Saul and Jonathan were both fighting in a battle. And on the same day, in the same battle, they were both killed. They both died, and so all of a sudden there's no, there's no king and there's no prince. But Jonathan, the prince, had a son himself. And so all of a sudden, this boy is next in line to be king, even though he's only five years old. So now we have this little five-year-old boy who might be the next king of Israel. But it's dangerous to be in that situation because there might have been a lot of other people that wanted to be king. And so the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that when his nurse who was taking care of this little boy got word that King Saul and the boy's father, Jonathan, had both died in battle. She knew she had to do something to protect that little boy. So what happened is she scooped him up in her arms, and she ran away to try to hide him, to protect him. But something terrible happened. And some of you know this story. What happened when she was running with the little child is she fell. And, and when she fell, the little boy fell. And the Bible says he got hurt so bad that he was crippled. In his feet. The boy's name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, the prince. The son of King Saul. And now he's crippled in both of his feet. Now, you may or may not have ever heard the name Mephibosheth before. But I would dare say there's a lot of people in here who are a lot like him. I don't mean you were dropped as a baby. That might be the case for some of you. (laughs) What I mean is there's something in your life that crippled you. Something in your past that crippled you. Maybe it was something that happened that was beyond your control. Maybe it was something somebody else did. An accident. An incident. Maybe it was intentional. Or maybe it was a choice that you made in your own heart, in your own life. But you look back on that and you realize that has crippled me. It's discouraged me. It's kept me from being the person that at one time I thought I was intended to be. That's Mephibosheth. And for us, that thing that cripples us, that keeps us from being who we thought we could have been, there's a Bible word for that. It's called sin. Sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, for all Have sinned and what? They've fallen. They've fallen short of the glory of God. See, here's the thing about Mephibosheth he was actually never intended to be his own king. In fact, when his grandfather, King Saul, was alive a long time ago, God had already planned who would be the next king. And many of you know the story. It was David. David was going to be the next king. The little shepherd boy who slayed the giant Goliath. He was going to be the next king of Israel. He had already been anointed. God's favor was on his life. And in fact, David happened to be very best friends with Mephibosheth's dad, Jonathan. And Jonathan knew That the call and the anointing of God was on David's life to be the king. And he wasn't fighting him for the throne. In fact, the Bible says he gave David his sword. He gave him his robe. He knew this is the plan of God. You're going to be the next king. And because they were so close, they made a covenant together. David and Jonathan agreed that for the rest of our lives, I will always look out for you and your family. And you will always look out for me and for my family. Years later... Mephibosheth is an adult. David is the king. Mephibosheth's dad and granddad, the king and prince, they've been dead for a long time. And This is where the story picks up in, in 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 3. It says, the king, this is David now, he asked, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba, his servant, said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Amil in Lodebar. Now what's interesting is Lodebar means nothing. It means nothing. That's where Mephibosheth was living. That's what Mephibosheth was feeling. He was feeling like nothing. Not important anymore. He doesn't have a place anymore. His opportunity has been missed. His life has been derailed. He felt like nothing and he lived in nothing. And he was afraid. He was afraid that maybe... Maybe one day the king will find me. And he wants to remove every chance of me taking back my father's throne. He was living as a slave to fear. He didn't know King David personally, but he was hiding out. He was living in a place called nothing. He was terrified. And then when David found out about Mephibosheth, he sent soldiers to go get him. He said, bring Jonathan's son to me and pick up the story with me in verse seven. It says, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, King Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Then he did something even more amazing. He called that servant, Ziba, to come back. And he said, Ziba, I want you and all your family to take care of all the land that I just gave to Mephibosheth. Take care of it for him so he doesn't have to worry about it. He can just enjoy it. He'll sit at my table. He'll eat with my family. And then in verse 11, Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord, the king, his The king commands his servant to do. So, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Adoption. David brought him into his family. Accepted him just the way he was and says, I'm going to treat you just like one of my sons. And can I tell you this morning, that is exactly what God does for us. That is exactly the offer that's on the the table. He rescues us. He goes on a mission to find us and to pull us out of our nothing. To pull us out of our emptiness, our hopelessness, our, our loveless, meaningless, void life. We feel like nothing. We live in a place of nothing. And we would stay there afraid of the moment of meeting our maker. If it were not for him going on a mission to find us, to rescue us. And to call us a son or a daughter. Let me read the last verse in this chapter. I love the conclusion of this story. It says in verse 13. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. For he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. Mephibosheth used to live in Lodebar. I told you that meant nothing. But now he lives in Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem means? It means the city of God. So he went from a place of obscurity to living in the presence of God. Feeling like nothing to all of a sudden feeling like something incredible. And and I love that this verse gives that description right at the end. It's almost weird that it says it again, but but I love it. Right at the end of the story, it tells us again, he was lame in both feet. You know why I love that? Because there's a lot of people that think they have to figure out how to walk right before they can come to the king. Are you hearing me this morning? There's a lot of people that think, if I could just get things right, if I could get my walk right, if I could measure up to everybody else, I could come back and I could face the king. But that's what adoption is all about. That the king looks at you and he says, I love you just the way that you are. I accept you just the way that you are. And the grace of God sees us and accepts us. And adopts us in. So I want to pray for you this morning. At the conclusion of this service. And I want to pray about a couple of things. And the first is very important. The first is a prayer. About your relationship with God. So before we pray. I just want you to consider. What's your perspective. On your relationship with God. Are you fearful? Do you fear the day that. That you would actually stand before God? Does that scare you? Because if that scares you, then you don't understand that God is a father. You don't understand that he wants to comfort you like a mother. You don't understand that he wants to stick closer to you than a brother. You don't understand that he's the groom that waits in anticipation for you to come through the door. You've missed what it means to be in the family of God. If you don't understand who he is then everything gets messed up after that. But If you think about your relationship with God today, how, how do you see Him? Do you see a Father that wants to draw you close? Or do you hide? Are you avoiding the confrontation with your Maker? I want to pray for you. I want to ask you to bow your head with me. All over this room, I'm going to ask our worship team if you guys would come back and Prepare to sing a song at the conclusion of this service. But right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, parents, adults, senior adults, I hope you know this service, we're including the kids, but this is not a moment that's just for children. I want every one of you to take a moment right now and examine your heart. Because the word of God does not return void. It's gone forth today, and my prayer is that it will accomplish what it was sent forth to do. I'm telling tell you one of the things the Word of God is sent forth to do. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. More than anything else, the gospel wants to be the means that brings about our salvation. You've heard the word today of a God who seeks us, who wants us to be born again and to be adopted into His family. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Maybe you've been running from Him. Maybe something in your past, it crippled you. Something somebody else did to you that hurt you and you thought you were beyond fixing. Maybe it was choices you made. You did things. It's crippled you and it's caused you to feel like you're unworthy to have a seat at the King's table. Today, hear the invitation to sonship. Hear the invitation to be a daughter of God. If that's you today and you say, today... I hear the king calling my name. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart. To be my savior. To be my Lord. If that's you right now, without any hesitation, would you raise your hand? Say, that's me. I want to be a child of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hand back down after you've raised it. Several hands have gone up today. Listen, you're not alone. You are not alone. The lies that have been told to you have been told to dozens. In this room, we're calling the enemy out for what he is. Hear the Spirit of God today calling you to come to the table. I'm going to ask one final time and then we're going to pray. One more time. If that's you, you say, Pastor Aaron, would you include me in this prayer of salvation? with these that have already raised their hands, anyone else, by raising your hands, you'd say, include me in this prayer. I'm looking one final time. Praise God. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. Right now, every head is bowed in this moment of reverence. I just want to invite you to pray a simple prayer of repentance to God. Church, would you pray it as well? Encourage these that raise their hands. Come on, let's say this together. Say, Dear God, thank you for making me for a family. Thank you for new life life. in Christ. I receive Jesus Jesus as my Savior. As As the forgiver of my sins. sins. I receive receive adoption. Adoption. Thank you for accepting accepting me me. me. the way that I am and for loving me me into your family. God, help me to live my life like a child of God. Like a child of God. In Jesus' name. In
1: Jesus
0: name. Amen. Amen. Now, this service isn't quite over. We're going to end with a time of prayer. And if you just raised your hand and, and made that commitment to Christ, I'm going to ask you to do something in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to get up from where you are and I'm going to invite you to step towards this altar to see this place. As the king's table, as a place of love and acceptance, and a place where God pulls you into his heart. And as we take that step together in a moment, I'm gonna ask this worship team to declare over us our sonship in Christ Jesus. But God put it on my heart that there's another group here that I wanna pray with. And maybe you're here today and you have a relationship with Christ, you know the Lord, you're a part of the church even. But there's something in your heart That has made you feel unworthy There's something in your life Something from your past That makes you feel Like you just don't quite measure up You you feel crippled I want to tell you When Mephibosheth When he came To the king's table he sat down in that chair and he scooted in close nobody could see his crippled feet he sat there just like a son just like a daughter i want to tell you that's the way that god sees us because of the blood of jesus that was shed for us when we come before god He doesn't look at all the flaws. He doesn't look at all the failures. He doesn't look at all the shortcomings. He doesn't look at all of the the nothingness of our past. He looks at us and He calls us a son. He calls us a daughter. And if you're here today and you just need to break out of that bondage that's been holding you back, I want to invite you as they sing this song to just come to the table today. To just come and take a moment to say, God, God, I receive your word that you're speaking over me today. God, I receive. I receive your grace, your love, your adoption fully. I'm not going to let anything hold me back from who you say I am. So I'm to ask you all over this room. Could we stand together?